Hello everyone, my name is Robert Winfrey and what you're about to listen to is an old episode of a podcast I used to host called Everyone Loves a Bad Guy. This particular episode, I'd done one on animals before and it will have re-aired by the time this one airs. Uh, This one focused more specifically on one set of animals and one set of fantastic creatures. Uh, It focuses primarily on dinosaurs and dragons and I know it's a little bit unfair to lump real animals in with fictitious ones. But since we're talking primarily about the act of bringing uh, dinosaurs from into the modern setting, whether that's through the something like the Jurassic Park methodology or any of the other number of movies that have done played around with that premise through any through various mechanisms, uh, that was kind of the focus here. And so uh, my guest for this episode is Jason Teasley. It originally aired June nineteenth, two thousand fifteen, and. Uh, Yeah, I think that's it for that. So please like, comment, subscribe, share. Any of that that you can do is all uh, very much helpful to continuing the growth of the network here. As for the... Let's pay some bills here, right? Let's let's get this out of the way. The sponsors, the people who make this possible. First up, Grammarly. For you listeners of the W2M network, Grammarly is offering a free download of the Grammarly software. Grammarly's AI-powered products help people communicate more effectively. Grammarly helps you write mistake-free on Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and nearly anywhere else you write on the web. Grammarly corrects hundreds of grammar, punctuation, and spelling mistakes, while also catching contextual errors, improving your vocabulary, and suggesting style improvements. To download Grammarly today, go to getgrammarly.com w2mnetwork. Again, that's getgrammarly.com w2mnetwork to download Grammarly for free. Really, I say this a lot, it's the contextual errors. Stuff that makes sense to you as you're writing it, but even when you read back your own writing, you go, what the heck was I saying? So, it's a useful tool. Uh, Also, on the useful side of things, Amazon Music Unlimited. Courtesy of us, uh, the good people at Amazon Music, you can enjoy 30 days free of Amazon Music Unlimited. It's a catalog of more than 70 million songs. There's podcasts on there as well. You can find pretty much whatever you want to listen to over there at Amazon Music. So if you want to enjoy that product for 30 days free, go to getamazonmusic.com slash W2M Network. There will be a link in the description below to both of our sponsors. So feel free to click on that. Let them know that we're the ones that sent you over and you can start enjoying your products, be that Grammarly or free unlimited music services courtesy of Amazon. Either way, you benefit, we benefit. It's all good. That free 30 days, again, it it is a limited time offer in terms of how long you'll have it. So once you get done with that, if you like it, you can keep it. If not, well, hey, you lost nothing and you gained 30 days of free music. So with that out of the way, let's throw it back in time to myself. Circa 2015, past me. It's all on you, buddy. No pressure. Touch to the gentleman, I'm his fortune. 
to the ladies I'm surprised. But call me by any name, anyway it's all the same. I'm the fly in your suit, I'm the pestle in your shoe, I'm the bee beneath your bed, I'm the bump on every head, I'm the pill on which you slip, I'm the pin in every head, I'm the thorn in your side, makes you This is to me Gentlemen, and welcome to Everyone Loves a Bad Guy. I'm Robert Winfrey, your host for this, your weekly look into eh, the darker side of things, the villains, the darkness that makes the light shine brighter. And, you know, throw your cliched adjectives at it. I'm okay with pretty much all of them. All right, tonight, uh, again, i, I got to bring this up real quickly. Jurassic World came out last Friday, made $520-something million worldwide over Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh, biggest opening weekend in movie, biggest worldwide opening weekend in movie history, and I, I kind of wanted to talk about that a little bit this week because you know I'm not. A, I mean, the other big kind of movie release today was Pixar's Inside Out, but I've already talked about Pixar. That episode is in the archives, and you can go back and listen to it if you're so inclined. And I would appreciate it if you do. I, you know, I'm. I, feel proud of 95% of the shows I've done and that's one of them. Yes, there's a 5% there are 5% that I freely admit were learning experiences for me and that's how I choose to phrase that. But tonight to kind of synergize with Jurassic World, uh I couldn't I wanted to do dinosaurs, but that's a shallow pool. There's not a whole lot to talk about there. I don't even think there's a good 60 minutes worth of content. So I decided to throw in dragons to the equation because why not? Everybody loves dragons. And there's some pretty evil dragons, so it, that's what we're on tonight, dinosaurs and dragons. Uh, if you would like to call in and share some stories, thoughts, feelings about either of the above topics, the number is 323-657-0901. Uh, once again, 323-657-0901. If you want to call in using Skype, there's a Skype icon on the Blog Talk Radio player page. It's kind of at the, It's at the top of the player, kind of in the middle. You click that, there's three or four boxes of dialogue. Click through all of those. You'll get up here, and I can get you on the air. All right, uh, joining me, uh, he volunteered kind of at the last minute to stop this from being a full-on 60-minute Winfrey Yak Fest, because nobody wants that, especially the Yaks. Uh, host of From the Cheap Seats, the Rattleton Broadcasting Network's Resident Evil Ginger, Jason Teasley is here with us. Uh, Jason, thanks for being here and you know, helping me out again on short notice. How you doing this evening? All right, good, Robert. How you doing? Just doing a little um, mandatory online classing then before prior prior to joining you, but always willing to help out when a fellow Radley Broadcasting Network person needs needs a cohort. So here I am. Yeah, I, I need minions. I've decided. I, I need like a cadre of minions who can come onto this show at, at kind of my beck and call. And I'm not sure where I'm going to find them. Uh, I need them. Uh, every, it's an evil show. I need evil minions. It kind of goes that way. Uh, let's go ahead and jump right well, in. Got I got to It's a step in the right direction. The thing with that is I can't trust you as a minion because you're just as likely to try and overthrow me. There's a really interesting yeah, dynamic between 
the evil minion and the evil overlord. And you you got to watch out for the evil minions who are looking to take your place. And I, I got to ask before we get too far into this Jurassic World. Have you seen it yet? Or are you uh, holding out, been too busy, just not interested in giant CGI dinosaurs? I've seen up to, I think, um, about 20 minutes from completing it. Oh, so you're missing the giant uh, dinosaur triple threat match. Yes, uh, I've made it up to where the uh, the rafters turn on everyone, and spoiler alert, by the way, and um, they, they, they start <laughs> going kind of... Off the, off the reservation. Yeah, there's... You're, you're almost there. There's some fun stuff at the end. Again, the final again triple threat fight that really needs Teddy Long's voice over the top of it, and then the run-in for the DQ from the Mosasaur. Uh, and look, I don't care about spoiling this. It's Jurassic World. This is family-friendly vanilla blockbuster. We all should know what happens here. There's no narrative surprises. But uh, let's start with kind of the big bad from that then. Just I want your perspective on it. The genetically modified, one-of-a-kind, engineered Indominus Rex. I, is that, you know... How does that monster, and look, most of the other dinosaurs are presented simply as animals. This one is actually presented as a completely, like, highly intelligent monster that kills for sport, enjoys inflicting pain, and sicking flocks of pterodactyls onto hapless people who just want to have a good time at the dinosaur theme park. So how does this, you know, how does this play for you, especially when compared to... Yeah, some of the original, I mean, the original kind of combo of the T-Rex and the Velociraptors, I don't think can ever possibly be topped. But how does the Indominus Rex play out for you as a fan? I I really, really liked it, uh, especially the the whole learning what was used to create this Indominus Rex. Um, throughout, you, you just got like little bits sprinkled here and there, and you kind of learn about, about it as it as the movie progressed, which and it they did it at a nice pace by dropping the little hints like the tree frog. The, oh yeah, we we put the tree frog in there for it to <clears throat> adapt to the humid climate. Oh well, yeah, uh, and camouflage itself. So and then you find out that you know, oh the the main reason why they didn't want to disclose what it was made of. Oh yeah, it's made of one of the best predators ever, <laughs> and is a raptor. So it. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the only thing I didn't enjoy was some of the CGI in the movie uh, that concerned the concerned some of the dinosaurs and some of the dinosaur fights. So I mean, outside of that, I, I really enjoyed the movie. I really enjoyed how they did the Dominus Rex. So uh, yeah, I, I watched I was, the movie and I was, I was like, highly, would it have killed them to build it. a couple of set pieces that are actually you know animatronic dinosaurs for close-up interaction? I mean, just wouldn't have killed them, but no, Chris Pratt can only interact with people who have, you know, globe, uh, motion capture balls attached to them. you got to stare at the balls, stare at the balls. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Now, I kind of agree. It was a suitably menacing creature. I mean, I have my issues with that movie and and my other cheap plug, and I swear this is the last one. You can listen to myself and Mark Radlich review, uh, our review of Jurassic World at Went live Wednesday, so a few days back. It's in the archives. Go check it out. He and I yelled at each other. It was awesome. Uh, the reviews where we yell at each other tend to be the best, I think, and we yelled at each other over this one. But uh, it's it's a suitably menacing creature. I mean, uh, you know, the active camouflage, the you know, it's big, 
It kills for sport, which removes a lot of kind of the safeguards that you had with some of the others. I mean, there's a whole sequence in Lost World where they're not worried about the T-Rexes because they just ate somebody. And as they point out, you know, they're not going to kill when they're not, you know, if they're not hungry, they're not going to be hunting. So we're pretty safe to move right now. And this one is more than happy to wipe out a whole herd of brontosaurus (laughs) of various denomination uh, very they're not all brontosaurs there's a potosaur there's a few different ones in there but they're, they're it's happy to wipe them all out just for the heck of it and that you know changes the rules a yeah little and bit. i really enjoyed that yeah i mean i i really enjoyed the fact that you know it it actually became once it got out of captivity and it 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 played the the mindful on the humans the that it wasn't in it it cloaked itself to get them to let it out and then once it out once it was out, it wreaked havoc, and then just became this just top of the food chain. Just I'm going to annihilate everything in my path just for fun. It's kind of like you know, it's kind of like in the third shout out to Jesse Sturger, Cletus Cassidy from the Spider-Man universe and being Carnage. It was just he it, the Dominus Rex was killing strictly for fun. It was a nice twist on it, and uh, again, there are things I appreciated about the Indominus Rex. I mean, this is a purely genetically engineered creature. I think Wong, uh, the character of... uh, uh, the, The actor... The actor is B.D. Wong. The character is someone else who I can't remember. He gets the line about, you know, we couldn't... You can't have something that, you know, to look more and more like an alpha predator without corresponding behavioral traits. It's not gonna have 40 teeth that are 8 inches long and go, ooh, a salad. Exactly. Uh, I'm real curious, just, uh, incidentally, about the original Jurassic Park, uh, because that's personally one of my favorite movies. Uh, the two scenes that everyone really seems to remember from that are the T-Rex attacking the kids in the Jeep and the and the raptors hunting everyone in the kitchen. So I'm curious, do you have a, do you have a fond memory from the original Jurassic Park? There's something about that movie that kind of scared you and stuck with you? Oh, I mean, I'm... I'm just like everybody else, especially the kitchen scene. The rappers in the kitchen were was just I mean, it kept you on the edge of your seat because it was it did give you that that false sense that the kids may not make it and you know and everything. And also I loved how how the uh how it ended. I mean the whole T Rex at the end of Jurassic Park was amazing. So Yeah, I speaking of the original Jurassic Park I'm curious about this because I've talked about this with uh, one of my brothers, uh, my stepmom. Do you think that movie was hurt by its lack of having you know, a legitimate kind of antagonist? I mean, you have Wayne Knight as the actor, the character of Dennis Nedry, who kind of sets everything in motion, but he dies relatively early. Uh, in the book, Hammond is actually a dick. He's kind of your antagonist for most of it. And they changed that around a little bit. I'm Again, do you think the narrative overall might is somewhat negatively affected by the lack of a true antagonist, or is it fine with just being a very small-scale kind of disaster movie with things going wrong in an amusement? Um, I, I would have to say it does suffer slightly, not much. I mean, the original Jurassic Park was a great movie. It's like it's one of my favorite movies of all time, but it does. I think it suffers strictly for the lack of. You don't know the real big bad in it, and you can't really associate with like your your hero overcoming some. It's just like, well, well, how are they going to survive? Rather than how are they going to defeat the overcome the odds and 
make our heroes look better, which because I mean you you really don't have that. I mean the the only thing that you really have is the look forward to is the T Rex showdown at the end. Which was uh, as a kid watching that on the big screen for the first time when that when the T Rex saved them from being attacked by the Raptors. Uh, I I marked out if I could use some professional wrestling parlance there. I I was very happy that <laughs> the Rex showed up and saved them. But it's to the eminent credit of the first movie that you always feel like everyone's in legitimate danger. I mean, no one in that movie is safe. They killed Samuel L. Jackson for crying out loud. And that, you know, Samuel L. Jackson dies stories. in every movie. He dies oh, that in just is about not. every movie. I can name two movies he dies in. Well, the greatest death of Samuel L. Jackson ever is Deep Blue Sea. Because it's so badly animated. But yes, I agree. And it just comes out of just it just comes out of nowhere. Oh, no, you expect Samuel the, the Jackson to live. Speech. Oh, yeah, motivational speech. All of a sudden, giant shark comes up and eats Samuel L. Jackson. Uh, it, it, it's awesome. It's a very, very well-done, surprising death sequence. Uh, I, I'm actually hard-pressed to come up with too many that are better than that. Uh, all right, there are there any other uh, movies featuring dinosaurs that have, you know, kind of villains that you, or, you know, evil dinosaurs and whatnot that you want to touch on? I mean... Uh, the only other one that kind of comes to my mind personally is from Jurassic Park 3, which is a horrible movie. But there's a, they come up with something bigger than the T-Rex, the Spinosaurus aegypticus, if my memory serves me. That is just off the top of my head, so don't quote me. Uh, but that thing's pretty... It's pretty big, it's pretty menacing, and it tends to... It's there throughout the whole movie, so that's... It's always there. Uh, which is something that you know you don't get a whole lot of reprieve. You get plenty of you know breaks from either the Raptors or the T Rexes or what have you throughout the other movies. They alternate what your menace is. The the Spinosaurus is pretty much it, and except for the points where they're being attacked by pterodactyls. Uh, again, Jurassic Park three, pretty much irredeemably. So uh, anyway, long way around to say. Any other movies that have you know uh, kind of menacing dinosaurs you want to touch on before we? <laughs> kind of shift gears more towards the fire-breathing lizards? Well, I mean, the only one that really, I mean, and it's really loosely, because they claim that it's a dinosaur and everything, is, uh, do you remember ever seeing the movie Primeval? Ah, I don't think I've seen it. I'm aware of it, but I don't believe I've ever it's, actually sat um, down and watched I, it. I think it's, I think it's down a, it's, it's like, um, basically they say it's a prehistoric dinosaur-esque, um, alligator in the nile and it's supposed to be based on an urban legend and everything and it was oh, like really wait, really I do remember real that. bad no no i, I know it, that it one that's uh dominic purcell orlando jones uh yeah there's someone yeah. else in there whose name i kind of recognize yeah no i've uh yeah i have actually seen that and it's pretty awful yeah but i mean it had some parts to it not many that was plausible but like I, I, I kind of agree with you on if, if something has bad CGI, I'm, it kind of just totally ruins the movie as a whole for me. Oh, uh, same vein, kind of. But you have the giant couple of crocodiles from Lake Placid, which, despite being by and large also awful, I, I find is imminently rewatchable. If for no other reason than because Betty White's in. Betty White is uh, all kinds of awesome. Betty White, is, is, is she's um, basically the mother to one of them. Yeah, she's raised him. She says at one point to one of the other like law enforcement or game warden, something like that. I'm rooting for the crocodile. I hope he eats all of your friends. And, and I, I if couldn't that help was delivered by anyone else, it would not be as great. 
Now, Betty White is one of those consummate professionals who elevates everything she's in, no matter how long she's in it for, even if it's just, you know, little jokes. Uh, she always elevates everything. Uh, all right, I think that's going to, you know, kind of wrap up Dinosaurs if we come around to something or think about something else. Oh, wait, no, I would be remiss if I didn't bring this up, and Mark would probably yell at me. Uh, Mark's not able to be here. I had joked with him about being on this show, but he is falling on a very large grenade for me tonight. Bellator 138 is going on, headlined by Kimbo Slice and Ken Shamrock. And, yeah, I... No, I would rather bleach my eyeballs and scoop them out with a melon baller. All right, I, I really, that's where I fall on that. And he's covering that for me. But he brought up something as far as Jurassic World and that whole franchise goes that we can talk about for another few minutes before shifting gears completely. There's apparently an idea for a sequel to Jurassic World, and let's all be clear here, $520 million in three days. There will be more. About InGen, the genetic engineering company that created them in the first place, winding up manufacturing dragons out of the dinosaur's DNA. And his idea, and I'm sure, I'm putting this out, again, he put this out there on the internet, so someone has it. I'm going to put it out there again, and I'm going to deeply regret it, because I have a feeling it might actually happen. But they make, they basically manufacture dragons artificially from the DNA of dinosaurs. The dragons decide they don't like people, begin attacking the army, and we close the movie with an all-out brawl between Chris Pratt's howling dino commandos and the Legion of Dragons. Now, I feel bad because I put this out there into the world, and there's some unpaid intern listening to this who's going to go, that's a great idea. And I, uh, so I'm just, I'm real curious. I mean, do you, Matt, do you personally think they're going to wind up going maybe not that kind of extreme cartoony direction, but do you imagine they go something kind of like that? Because there have been a lot of ideas for sequels throughout the whole Jurassic Park franchise. And, you know, creating dragons is not the dumbest idea that has been put forth. So I'm I'm really kind of curious how do you, you know, is that is you know a basic kind of layout like that, does that appeal to you at all? No. I think it's retarded. But I do see the actual uh, sequel that I, I see happening, and I know, I know that I'm putting this in the universe, and it's it's going to just snowball because anything you guys say on any of the, the mainstay shows kind of seems to come to fruition, is the fact that, did you see the concept for what Jurassic World was actually supposed to be? Again, I know there were a lot of them. So uh, the the human humanoid dinosaurs. <laughs> well, how else would we get Guardians of the Jurassic Galaxy? They they basically it was going to be human dinosaurs that um, were militarized, and basically they're sent to fight a war, and then they end up turning on the the government. And overthrowing everything and start a civilization of human dinosaur um, military ops. Yeah, that was the that was one of the original plans for Jurassic World. And with watching what I did in Jurassic World, I can honestly see how that might play out in the next movie. Uh, it might if they're dead set on hey, look, we're going to keep screwing around with. DNA and Mother Nature and gene sequencing until we can at least convince ourselves that we can control these things and then send them after the bed. It's 
Oh, God. I imagine we're a movie or two away from Planet of the Jurassic Dinosaurs type of scenario where they have supplanted humanity and humans live underground in caves. And I imagine some poor schmuck will have to will have to try and again copy Charlton Heston's "Get your paws off me, you damn dirty ape." In this case, it would be "Get your claws off me, you damn dirty raptor." And I, I'm just not looking forward. That, Jesse Starcher has figured it out. <laughs> I Jurassic, see that. Jurassic World Two will actually be how to train your dragon. Oh, we, I I could see it. How I to combine two summer movies? Yeah, I mean, it it would make. Toothless fighting in the Jurassic World would be awesome. I think I think I would actually see that movie. I would actually pay to see that movie. As long as the kid loses another limb, I'm fine with it. I, I think he needs to lose an arm this time. Well, I mean, he's lost so much. He's lost a leg, a dad. Well, so I what's mean, an arm at this? Yeah, I, I mean, it's it an happens. arm or it's his girlfriend. That's kind of my thought. I would go with the arm because the girlfriend kind of is the. What holds the movies together? Yeah, it's uh, she. She's necessary from a narrative standpoint, and his, you know, left arm not so much. Yeah, he's right-handed, isn't he? Well, plus it's you're saving money on the animation because you don't have to animate an arm. Exactly. See, it, it's a win-win. It, it really is, and I'm a horrible person for suggesting that, but this is a horrible. This is my evil right, podcast. Hold on. I can be evil. Hold on. We we, we have you noticed kids' movies nowadays? They're more dark and sinister because they it's not about making kids happy anymore. It's about seeing what messed up thing that we could do to mentally abuse kids. I mean, let's look at some of the, the movies that Disney's put out. I mean, Up is one of the saddest ten minutes of a movie ever. Uh, that opening ten minutes? Yeah, that'll rip your guts out. I mean, then you look at How to Train Your Dragon, both aspects. I mean, I'm a heartless, soulless ginger. I I kind of teared up both times. I was a little, I was a little emotional. I mean, kids' movies nowadays are just just messed up. So I could see them doing something like How to Train Your Dragon Three. Let's take his arm. <laughs> well, you know, uh, we live in a much more screwed up world. You have to prepare the kids for what's out there, and what's out there is a oh. lot worse than what used to be out there. Don't get me started on the pussification of kids today. But let's move on. Oh, it's a whole thing. <laughs> Sorry, Jesse Starcher, who's playing the home game, just posted a photo of uh, the what the stick guy from uh, Family Guy with no arms, no legs, oh, one eye. With How to Train Your Dragon Eight is the caption yeah. to it, and uh, yeah, that's uh, that's funny. Uh, I appreciate that. All right, but moving on again to, to the more dragon-oriented stuff here. Uh, speaking of kids' movies, let's, uh, I mean, good a place to start as any. Uh, I'm real curious for you, you know, because classic kind of Disney stories are somewhat back in vogue. They're you know, finding ways to retell them, be that uh, Sleeping Beauty with Maleficent as far as live action goes, or the television series Once Upon a Time, which I haven't seen anything of, but I am aware exists. I mean, Disney's going through a whole live action Phase right now. Um, you have to watch that too. So, I, but again, the you know one of the dragons that kind of sticks in my mind, and Mark had to remind me to get a picture up in the slideshow. You're pro- you're probably ignoring now, but it's up there. Uh, at the end of Sleeping Beauty, I mean, Maleficent turns into a pretty evil-looking dragon and spits green fire at our you know 
protagonist prince who's desperately trying to you know get through her and you know that's i mean again, i've spoken at length about how much i like maleficent as a character but you know again her turning into you know giant fire-breathing dragon at the end of that movie you know, that's a pretty big stamp that's a pretty uh you know especially when you consider that movie you know, when that movie came out originally you know, that's some intense stuff for kids to watch exactly and you see how the kids that grew up watching that have grown to be cornerstones of America today. We prepared people early. We did. Uh, we we certainly tried. Uh, all right, let's go to uh, the biggest dragon. But yeah, Maleficent. The dragon dragon version of Maleficent was great. Oh, it's... Uh, I, I mean, again, considering it's hand-drawn cell animation from, what, like the 50s? Uh, I forget exactly when that movie came out, so forgive me for that, but... I mean, that's some pretty... Again, that's a scary-looking dragon going on there, and it's it's nothing to screw around with. You know, I mean, even the... I mean, granted, the version from the live-action Maleficent was not actually her turning into a dragon, and, and that, again, my issues with that movie are documented a couple of different ways. But that's... Yeah, I mean, for a long time, that was the gold standard as far as, you know, kind of Disney final battles went. Uh, I don't think it got surpassed until, well, probably Ursula... I think we can say is probably the one that kind of finally got over that particular hump. Uh, I promise I wouldn't plug anything. Uh, yeah, it's it's a great one. It's uh, again one of You're my favorite. <laughs> they all die. Disney villains almost. That's one of the funny things. Disney villains, for as fa- you know, family friendly and kids safe as Disney movies are, they always kill the villains at the end. Yeah, the, there's no like Scooby Doo happy ending. That the villains actually live. All villains die in Disney. It's kind of messed up. If you actually think about it. it. Yeah. Well, you know, there are certain people who only are stopped mm. by death. I mean, you know, for all the flack that people throw at Man of Steel for Superman killing Zod, doesn't Superman always kill Zod? I mean, I'm not the biggest comic book geek in the Not geek, aficionado. I don't mean to be, you know, again, demeaning to people who like comic books, but I'm... Not the biggest comic book fan, but I could swear, like, every major interaction between Superman and Zod across whatever, you know, Elseworld alternates, what have you, Superman always kills him, I think. I mean, I'm pretty sure that's just kind of standard fare, because Zod won't be stopped any other way. Uh, speaking of which, for the, the next Jurassic Park movie, I want to throw this little bit of knowledge up, because I came across this the other day. It's something you can... Um, you can definitely get behind. Do you know what the next Jurassic Park movie is going to be? Honestly? No idea. Jurassic Galaxy. You want to know why? So they can have Guardians of the Jurassic Galaxy after that? Nope. Here, Here's a little bit of quirky knowledge for you and all the fans of your show. Jurassic Park follows the same line of Super Mario Brothers. You have Super Mario Brothers, Jurassic Park. Super Mario Brothers, The Lost Level. Jurassic Park The Lost World. Super Mario 3, Jurassic Park 3. Super Mario World, Jurassic World. So, <laughs> next next is Jurassic Galaxy. Dinosaurs in Followed space. by Jurassic Universe. There we go. We'll so, get a Jurassic Kart 3D going on in the near future. Yeah, you're, you're going to be able to play as the Raptor, the T-Rex. So, which of these but movies yeah, I just, is actually I came just a bad that the other day. Yeah, it's, that's where... And... Speaking of, oh god, I just gotta send this. I just gotta send this. Uh, I, this is just too awesome. Since you made the um, Jurassic Park Galaxy reference, the the picture that I found is actually Chris Pratt 
on a raptor with a uh, a, a lightsaber. <laughs> it's just Jurassic Galaxy, and this is it's the most epic thing. It's it's epic. You just got to open it up, and it's epic. But all right, dinosaur. <laughs> Let's get back to no, that. I, I I mean the other big. I just came across the, that and found it funny. Yeah. yeah. I, I appreciate it. You know, those are all. all right, the other big kind of dragon most recently, I, I mean, we'd be horrifyingly remiss if we didn't talk about Smaug from the second and third Hobbit movies. So I'm uh, I'm going to throw it to you before, because I've talked about that kind of at length during both of the movie reviews that I did with Mark on those two. But I'm curious, uh, for you personally, you know, the big reveal when we start getting some interactions with Smaug in... Uh, second Hobbit movie, which is The Desolations of Smug. Uh, you, how did you like that version? You know, did you like the way he looked, sounded suitably menacing, big enough for you, you know, things of that nature? I thought it was the greatest thing to ever happen in cinematic history. <laughs> I wish there would have been more of him. <laughs> I wish he would have had his own spinoff movie. <laughs> I would shell <laughs> out 20 bucks to go see a spinoff movie of just him. <laughs> Uh, so that, that should that should tell you how great I love Smog. Now there was most certainly not enough of him in the second or in the third one because I mean we come in he attacks the town he gets killed and then we go into the title card. Yeah, there's never enough. I think you know they should have spent at least two hours of the twenty-seven hours that Peter Jackson devoted to the six movies. He could have gave he could have gave him two hours. Oh, I you know, I don't really disagree. Um, I mean, Smaug is suitably menacing as a dragon. He looks great. You know, I mean, with all those movies, you're worried about, at least if you're like me, and you and I share a proclivities as far as how quickly CGI can smack you in the face and go, hey, you're watching a movie, at which point you want to, you know, scream and throw things. At least I do. And he's... He looks, I mean, you have to CGI all of him because he's a dragon. They don't actually, but he looks fine. You know, he looks great. He's got a big, he's got an evil grin that is just kind of on his face all of the time. Uh, You've got, uh, the voice acting from Benedict Cumberbatch is superb. When he's talking about himself, you know, in grandiose sense, I mean, yes, it's self-aggrandizing and horribly arrogant, but at the same time, he's not lying. When he talks about how you know, the death that he brings and how you know impressive he is and all the things that he's done, it's, he's not someone to screw around with. Uh, I'm with you. I wish we had got more of him. Uh, he could, I would have been so much happier during that dragon attack on Lake Town if we had actually seen him. I mean, corner some, corner a bunch of people and then just you know, grin at them and maybe make a witty remark before barbecuing them. Yeah, I wanted more evil dragon. Because, again, the final sequence with him when he's stalking up on Bard is awesome. He's legitimately a terrifying creature at that point. And you know Bard's only got the one shot. And, I mean, look, I, I, I've read the books. I know yeah. he's going to die. But he does. it's still him crawling over the flaming wreckage of that town. That's the st- That kind of stuff haunts your dreams. Yes, this is true. Um, just... Uh, like I said, the sinister grin. I think that's what one of the great things about it was. It's cause it was just a sinister, smug look that he had, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm I'm kind of a big deal, and I'm going to prove why that." You... And it's just, it was just menacing, terror, awesome. I mean, 
just great. Is the I'm at a loss for words thinking about how amazing the performance, how flawless it was, how intimidating he was, and just the overall interaction was between Smog and every everything that his surroundings. All right, we got a caller on the line, area code 336. I'm pretty sure that's Jesse Starcher, but I don't want to speak out of turn. All right, area code 336, no, we're on the air. Actually, it's not Jesse, it's Ronnie. Ah, Ronnie Adams, right? Adams, yeah. What's up, right. it's, uh, it's Ronnie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, man, we got to let you go. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, nah, he, he's messing no. with you. Because you've got great flat delivery. All right, anyway. Uh, well, I, so, anyway, you're on the air. What do you got? Uh, well, what's on yeah, your mind? I just chime in on Smog there. Uh, do you think that the um, the witty comment or before he barbecued somebody would have taken away from the anger that he was going through at that point? Now, I understand I would have liked a lot more of him, but was would have been too much of a good thing at that point. Would have been too too comical for the way the movie was going. Oh, that really depends on... No. The, that's an execution issue. I mean, if you have him yeah. make a really stupid line, uh, then yes. But if you just let him be, you know, further menacing people, like he's not just trying to kill them, but he's actually savoring their fear, mm-hmm. you know, that that's a great bit that can, impre- that can increase someone's overall presence. And... Uh, I, again, if it's stupid, yes, it detracts completely from it. But uh, I have, at this point in time, I have enough faith in Peter Jackson to know that he probably could have executed that basic idea without screwing it up too much. Right, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I loved well, everything that he's put out so far. So, I mean, as far as the, um, you know, Middle Earth. and um, But I just, I don't know. I just thought, for me, it was just enough. And at that point, uh, he was just, it was it was over. He didn't care. He was going to show his power and just level the entire town without even having to land. Uh, so, I mean, it kind of fit more in it. You know, two hours of, of dragon is a lot, especially when he's a lot of it's talking. <laughs> well, it somewhat beats two hours of you dragons. You are wrong. Two, two hours of a pardon? Dragons that don't talk, which I've also seen. Yeah, that's, yeah. Um, I would take two hours <laughs> of dragon true. over two hours of Fury Road any day. Oh, oh watch yourself! Fury Road was awesome. Watch yourself! I'm a big fan of Fury Road. <laughs> it's the only way to be it wrong. could have been better is if it had dragons. <laughs> oh, oh man, it could have better if it was never made. That, Let's not get George Miller ideas. <laughs> Look, George Miller is just insane enough to hear, have someone report to him our thoughts on that, and go, you know, I can make that work. <laughs> I can make dragons and Mad Max, and he'd probably pull it off. But probably, yeah. That was just that was just me. I was that was just my question for you guys. Uh, and maybe save the franchise. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Whatever. But that was just my I, question. I, I thought it was just that, enough, and I just you know, to me, he was that menacing, terrifying, um, otherworldly. I mean, creature, the bringer of doom. You know, and um, it didn't even really have to. It was it was nothing to him to to raise a town to ashes uh, until he got shot. But um, it, it, for me, it was just enough, and it was it, I enjoyed uh, Cumberbatch's entire take on it. And, uh, you know how he brought life to the character and his delivery of all his lines and, and well, the, face the fact that captured after his face too. I mean, they've got... yeah, exactly. But he 
he, I mean, you know, the facial you know, expressions, the whole nine, I thought it was amazing. And um, I thought thinking, you know, here, listen to you guys, it, any more might have ruined it. Uh, yeah, it's entirely possible. I just, I would have liked more from that particular attack that he had on the town. But I also, again, I'm kind yeah. of jaded in that I wanted more of Smaug and him away too early. <laughs> and then I had to deal with, uh, you know, prolonged overly CGI battle sequences that are never properly resolved. Which... The dwarves riding giant, or dwarves riding monster pigs into battle. I'm okay with that. You know that? I'm okay yes. with that. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, guys, I'll let you go and get back to your show, but I just wanted to, to ask that and throw my two cents in. All right. Thanks for calling. I appreciate it. All right, Jason, I think one of you two mentioned Reign of Fire at some point in there, and uh, that's another one of those I've seen Reign of Fire. You know, it's it's an odd movie and that if you were to tell me that a movie about dragons featuring Christian Bale, Matthew McConaughey, and Gerard Butler would suck, I would... I mean, I'd almost have to smack you because, like, no, how can this suck? But it... You know, it's not great. Uh, so I'm curious. Have you seen that one? It was kind of a... Uh, and then Reign of Fire happens. <laughs> oh, God, yeah, it, it really does. And you get Matthew McConaughey chewing scenery like only he can when he's there just for a paycheck, and that is a good chunk of his career. Not all of it, but a chunk of it. And Christian Bale is, you know, a little bit crazy, and they killed Gerard Butler way too soon. Uh, God. I mean, the notion that they, you know, dragons were real, they were not, you know, kind of figments of the imagination or half-remembered dinosaurs from you know, humanity's yonder years type of thing, that they actually existed and we wake them back up. I mean, it's not a bad concept, but uh, you know, everything about that movie just kind of falls apart as it keeps going. Yeah, it, it's um, it takes a, a nice little intro, and then after about... 15, 20 minutes, it takes a sharp decline and never recovers. It just keeps going down. It's like a bottomless pit. The only other movie that I did not, that I would put in the same category, Reign of Fire with Dragon is Aragon. Oh, that movie. You know, I actually haven't read the book. I saw the movie, uh, I didn't pay to see it, mind you. I, and that's not illegal. I like saw it on TV or something. It well, I mean, for starters, can I point out that the whole thing from a narrative structure standpoint is basically a rip-off of the first Star Wars movie? I, I, I cannot be the only one who sees that. Yeah. Yeah, I, would, uh, I, I can I can see your your logic there. Well, no, I mean, the whole start is, you know, Princess loses something of great value, finds its way to chosen teenager in humble beginnings, his family is wiped out, he goes on a quest with an old myster quasi-mysterious older guy, older guy dies, he meets mysterious rogue, they find the rebels, they have a fight with the minion of the emperor, and we end on a cliffhanger to set up the sequel. Uh, now, as far changed. as base structure goes, uh, I mean, Aragon was, uh, personally speaking, too much bad CGI. Uh, I mean, again, you have to CGI dragons. Uh, there's only been one dragon off the, that I think of off kind of the top of my head. Two. There have been two that were not completely CGI'd. Uh, you had... Actually, Draco from Dragonheart was part CGI, part uh, animatronics and puppeteering, which I greatly appreciated. And I've got... Uh, I've got a stupidly soft spot for that movie. And I can't put my finger on why, but I do. Then the movie uh, from... 
jeez, I forget when exactly. Way back in the day, a movie called Dragon Slayer that was done entirely with uh, uh, stop motion animation uh, for the dragon in flight, and they had a you know physical thing that they built for some of the fight sequences at the end. But there, again, you have to CGI dragons. You just have to do them you know more or less well. I mean. Uh, for rough comparison, I think the dragon from you know the fourth Harry Potter movie looked better than the one from Aragon. Yeah, yeah. This. Okay, who's your favorite dragon outside the obvious? Oh, outside the obvious. All right, so I can't say Smaug. Can't yeah. say Maleficent. I mean, I, um, I'm pretty sure that that is most people's favorite. Well, I think he's the you best. I mean, I'm going to surprise you with. Uh, what's yours? Pete. Pete's dragon. <laughs> with and the pink hair. You've never seen Pete's dragon. Uh, no, actually, that was my that's my favorite dragon. You've really I've never, never seen Pete's dragon? Great. Never piece. seen the movie. I've never seen Mary Poppins from start to finish. Uh, <clears throat> I tell you, you can bypass watching Mary Poppins and watch Saving Mr. Banks. Much better movie. Uh, no, I mean, <sighs> Saving Mr. Banks is a yeah. So uh, okay, I'm curious about Pete's dragon then, because uh, give me a brief summation again. I've never seen the movie. I'm only I'm aware of its existence. I don't think I've even read a plot synopsis. So you know, kind of sell me on the movie here, real quick, and tell me you know what about that particular dragon uh, you know, makes him your favorite? God, it was the first dragon I ever seen, and I mean it's kind of it's basically a, a little boy's imaginary friend, and they're remaking it with really upset. He just kind of he's got abusive parents and he just wants to escape reality so he creates a um, pet dragon and a couple who live in a lighthouse. And it's just about their quirky adventures. And it's a pink haired dragon. Who <laughs> does not like a, a dragon with pink hair? And uh, as, uh, the original uh, what was his name? Mickey R- Oh, it's, it's bothering me. I know the name and it's right on the tip of my tongue. And uh you started to say Mickey out. Rourke. Um yeah, I'm thinking it is Mickey Rourke. Uh no Mickey Rooney. Oh, okay. It has I mean any and Fallout you know, a Mickey Rooney movie. Oh uh, yeah, good old Mickey Rooney. You know, it's hard to go wrong with him. Uh no, actually and, I think the first he, he's got pink hair and pink wings. And there's a lighthouse uh, and I and I'm a really big awesome guy. I love lighthouse. Oh lighthouse me. is pretty now I've uh I saw that. I have. I think the first dragon I saw, apart from Maleficent, believe it or not, I don't know too many people who are aware of this thing's existence. There was a, I want to say like a 30-minute animated movie about Puff the Magic Dragon. Oh, I think I, I think I've seen it. I've. I think uh, it was I, like on a PBS thing or something. Something like that, and I've seen. I remember seeing that as a kid, and that. More importantly, I had uh, some friends of my family. I was a, I was a kid at the time, but uh, some friends of the family. One of the dad over there was part of a band, uh, did uh, folk music, but he had some recording stuff. So he and his friends had actually recorded Puff the Magic Dragon and then uh, dubbed over the audio with just funny things that they with uh, their own audio for <laughs> their own dialogue. Yeah, it was a it's a dragon who comes to help a non-communicative. Boy, overcome his debilitating fears. If it's the same one I'm thinking of. Yeah, it's... Oh, Came out God. in 78. Oh, man. Old, old, old school. Burgess there. Meredith was in it. Oh, God bless Burgess Meredith. Oh, yeah. man. I'm a big fan of his. He was... All right, uh, 
All right, uh, before we kind of start wrapping this up, we've touched on movies, television, and whatnot. I'm curious. Any favorite dragons from video games uh, that kind of spring to mind? Because they, they're as prevalent in that genre as they are anywhere else. So I'm curious, uh, anyone from, you know, again, any uh, gaming dragons that come to your mind that were particularly either impressive oh, or interesting? Every dragon you come across in Skyrim is awesome. And then Skyrim, you have to Sky, shout the Skyrim them. dragons are, yeah, and treat them like five-year-old kids and just yell at them. But yeah, the uh, the the Skyrim dragons was great. I'm trying to think. Uh, the dragon. Now I'm going to go old school. It's the dragon from Dragon's Lair. Okay. And Most that, people yeah, will be like, "What's the world's Dragon's Lair?" Don't know what. If if you don't know what Dragon's Lair is, do you a favor and look it up on YouTube. I'm um, trying to think what other video game dragons that actually were were great. I know I'm forgetting a ton, but it's kind of one of those questions I wasn't prepared for. No, uh, it just kind of struck me a bit at the last minute. I mean, do you have any favorite? Dragons? Well, I quit playing WoW after Wrath of the Lich King. Oh, that's World of Warcraft for people unaware of that particular acronym. But apparently, like, the entire final raid sequence for the Cataclysm event takes place on the back of Deathwing, uh, leading up to you fighting his head. And I, uh, first of all, that, some of the, I've seen some of the visuals from that, and it looks so awesome. You get these pulled back sequences where, you know, your whole raiding party is, like, running up the small of his back. You have to fight across his spines. So you get a true sense of how big the guy is. Uh, so and again, again, he completely alters everything about that world. So you know, if you're a fan of the lore of you know the Warcraft world, then Deathwing's a pretty big deal. Uh, I mean, from the stuff I did, pl- I do remember about you know being in WoW. I always liked the dragon fights. I mean, they weren't too difficult because you just had to avoid either being hit by the tail swipe or the breath weapon, so you just kind of stay on the side. But they always went out of their way to make them, you know, interesting as far as the exterior mechanics. You know, there's some where you can't stand still. There's some where lava waves come at you. Uh, you know, somewhere again, you know, people who play World of Warcraft can probably rattle off more than I more than I do can probably rattle off a bunch more. But uh, I was appreciative of all of the dragon fights that I was that at least the ones that I took part in as far as WoW went. Uh, I mean, Final Fantasy people out there would be annoyed if I don't mention, uh, who's the dragon deity in that, Bahamut? I don't know, you're a big Final Fantasy guy? Oh, Shannon's a huge Final Fantasy person. What's the dragon? She just walked in from, what's the dragon from Final Fantasy? And she doesn't know. I I give her credit and she doesn't know. Um, Yeah, the the dragon from Final Fantasy was great. He's like the dragon god king or what have you. Hold on, here it is. (laughs) Yeah, Bahamut. Uh, no, that's, from Final Fantasy, yeah. I don't play Final Fantasy all that much, but yeah, I mean, again, he's an enduring character. Uh, I'm trying to remember if there's been any oh. in some of the recent games I've played. There's a giant kind of bone dragon at the end of uh, Castlevania Lords of Shadow, that's, but it's just a boss fight. It has no personality, oh. which is Well, the uh, original Castlevania had... Yeah, there was, wasn't there like a dragon-type deal from the original Castlevania? Yeah, I think most I'm of the Castlevania games... like a games, dragon head or a skeleton dragon. Yeah, I think like most of the Castlevania games feature a dragon of some variety, uh, which is always fine. Yeah, I, I'm all for dragons, as long as they're treated appropriately. And Jesse okay, Starcher, one speaking of, of Skyrim, mentioned Onaga, the Macho Man the Randy Savage mod, uh, which is... Uh, I, I haven't played Skyrim I've much of my detriment. But a, yeah, there's yeah, Spyro a Spyro the dragon. Oh, yeah, Spyro... A little hoppy dude. He's purple. Spit sparks. 
no, I yeah, again, there uh, I just he just brought up the Macho Man mod for Skyrim, which makes me laugh because Macho Man Randy Savage. Uh, I don't need further justification to being amused by that. Uh, all right, that's I think gonna pretty much wrap us up here. So uh, you know, kind of last word. Any uh, dragons that we haven't talked about that you want to touch on, maybe? Well, I mean, is Godzilla considered a dragon-ish lizard? Uh, Godzilla. Godzilla's kind of a dragon. Uh, King Ghidorah's kind of a dragon. I think uh, I'm gonna save Godzilla and his ilk for a for a kaiju-specific episode in the future. But uh, I suppose Godzilla's kind of close enough to being a dragon at this point. That that's that's the only one that you know we can gloss over vaguely. So because you you said you want to save it for the future, that's the only one I the glaring one that I think we've missed that people would actually wonder why we didn't discuss because they want to loop they'd like to lump him into the category of dinosaur dragon. You know, uh, he is kind of the hybrid between. But the dinosaur that, I have nothing. I know Godzilla and all of his friends. Yes, including Jet Jaguar, but not Minizilla. Never Minizilla. Uh, we'll get their own show in the n- nearest future. Uh, I'll see if I can find like a timely like when they announce Godzilla two, he'll get his own show type of thing just for fun. Uh, but uh, all of those kind of you know uh, Toho kaiju's are going to get their own show because they really do kind of exist in their own world. Uh, so be on the lookout for that in the future. Uh, for fans, you know, people who want to hear me talk about Godzilla and all of the various giant monsters he's fought, uh, that will be coming up at some. Those are fun. All right, uh, Jason, thanks for being here. You, again, saved me from yakking to myself for 60 minutes, and I always appreciate that. What do you have to plug? No problem. Uh, the only thing I have to plug is uh, me and Benjamin Cologne did a two-part episode with Jesse Starcher on source material covering my favorite comic arc of all time involving one of my favorite comic villains of all time and that is Maximum Carnage from Spider-Man. Me and Benjamin got on, joined Jesse. It was really interesting, really fun. Two episode deal that we got to do. Also, um, we did our anniversary of the Cerebral Palsy Swagger Walk with uh, Hunter Gandy. We had him on. It was, uh, I think, it was like two weeks ago. We did a. He did another walk. We announced uh, on the show. We actually got to announce our second annual fantasy fo- uh, charity fantasy football league championship that we'll be holding with all proceeds going to various organizations to help with charity funding. Outside of that, um, uh, I want to plug our caller, Mister. Um, Ronnie Adams, and Screaming Boy Productions. Uh, you can catch me on there. Uh, I think me and Jesse are going to be on there for a Mel Brooks retrospective coming up. Uh, oh, I've made appearances on there to talk about... Uh, I've made appearances on there to talk about Fast and Fury 7. I've talked... Uh, let's see. I've talked how much I hate Fury Road um, and a lot of other summer movies that I can't remember at all. But you can find... All this right here on the Randall Broadcast Network, where we do stuff. We do stuff pretty much every day of the week. Uh, speaking of that, Mark Radlich and Sean Comer were on the long road to ruin yesterday and did part one of the Jack Ryan series. Uh, this would that is uh, the Hunt for Red October, Patriot Games, and Clear and Present Danger, the good three movies. Uh, in a couple of weeks or so, they'll be back to talk about 
some of all fears and Jack Ryan's shadow recruit, both of which are not so good because Ben Affleck is pretty terrible. And uh, Chris Pine, you know, a, a shadow recruit was a bad idea. I can't throw that all on Chris Pine. Some of it, yes, not all of it. Uh, again, Mark and I reviewed Jurassic World on Wednesday. This coming Wednesday, Mark and I will be reviewing Pixar's latest movie, Inside Out. Uh, I saw it today. It's good. You should probably go see it. So, uh, again, be aware of that. Uh, so you, you can look forward to that. I will not be back next week. I'm not reviewing Bellator one or covering Bellator 138 tonight. However, in exchange for my freedom tonight to talk about dinosaurs and dragons, I have to cover Bellator 139 next week. So I'm pretty sure it's next week. I will double-check that. If it's not, then I'll you know, come up with something else. But uh, Bellator 139, I believe, is next week. And it's got a headliner of Czech Congo and Vitelli. No, it's not Manikoff. It's Volkov. Alexander Volkov. Oh, I hate Czech Congo. Really? Uh, it's him or Gilbert Ive was the dirtiest fighter in MMA, but... So I will be covering that either next Friday or the Friday after that. I believe it's next Friday. Uh, so I won't have a show then, but I will come back the week after that show. And um, unless something else strikes my fancy, I've been toying around with the idea of doing a podcast here devoted entirely to death and his representation. So look forward to that. Uh, that's going to be coming in the near future. Unless I have to synergize and actually finish up my Terminator retrospective piece. Because I have part one, that was my first ever show, but I don't have to, and Genesis is coming out to suck the air out of all good things in the movie world, in the world of movies. But follow the Radlitz and Broadcasting Network on Blog Talk, Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, all that. We have a Facebook group that's spelled R-A-D-U-L-I-C-H. You can just search for Radlitz and Broadcasting. Like us there, you get updates. Uh, we appreciate all of that. You can subscribe on any of those other services. You can leave comments, criticisms, critiques, ratings. We appreciate it all. We're trying to, and we do our best, and suggestions that you all might have to improve things are always taken in stride. We appreciate it. All right, that wraps us up. That's all the plugs. That's everything. So, for the Rattlers and Broadcasting Network's Resident Evil Ginger, Jason Teasley, I'm Robert Winfrey, reminding you all to watch out for the fire-breathing dinosaurs, because when they come, we're all screwed. So say goodnight to the bad guys.